This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here live from Palm Springs, California, where it's sunny and windy today in the low 70s. Actually kind of nice. I could do without the wind, though. I'm okay with the wind. <laughs> Coming from Wisconsin. I know. You better be. <laughs> In the studio here with my friend and producer, the amazing and talented and gifted and brilliant Alexandra. Wow, brilliant. Checks yes. in the mail with that one. <laughs> I'm so inspired by you and your story, Alexandra. Oh, you're so sweet. Seriously, honestly, I really am. I really am. Very kind. So one of these days, I'll have to we'll have to dig into some of what Alexandra's accomplishments are because there is Mm -hmm. a a wellness component to it. There is certainly finding your 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 purpose and your passion for sure. So, yeah. Speaking of which, that's what Tate Talks is for. It really is to inspire awareness and provide some education. I mean, I'm a, you know, not just a functional medicine health coach, a public speaker and radio show host, but my day job, I work at Indio High School. Shout out to my students who are listening. God, I wish (laughs) I had a teacher like you. (laughs) So much fun. We have so much fun. I love what I do, honestly. Something my mother told me growing up was, you know, and, and I don't know where she heard it from, but it worked for me and I've heard it from other sources as well. But anytime I hear it, it makes me think, of my incredible mother who isn't with me today in physical form, but she's always with me. She says, choose a career you would do for free and you never work a day in your life. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that one. And it's true. It really is. If I didn't need to work, I would still do education. I would still go to school. I'd probably be a full-time student at different universities (laughs) racking up (laughs) degrees because I love, love, love learning Mm. and and when you get to a point to where you learn things that truly can help others and revolutionize um, their health and your own health, and I'm going through my journey, it's so much fun to share that. And, and it needs to be shared. Yeah. It, it absolutely needs to be shared. And, you know, if you, with you reaching out now through the radio, um, you know, you, you kind of synthesize things down and I don't have to go out and read all those books and right. and yeah. and you point me in the right direction of, of what little documentaries to watch. No, I didn't watch that one. <laughs> you <laughs> haven't yet, okay. <laughs> I have to watch, I do, I do want to. But I for me, that's what you've done. You kind of filtered out all of, uh, there's so much information out there. There is. And that's the God honest really truth. There's yeah. so much information out there. And and, and honestly, Jason, you, you just filter it down and you deliver the most amazing on point information thank you and and uh and it's so necessary it's so necessary yeah well thank you and we're here and i couldn't do it here without you Mm -hmm. so thank you we're a team (laughs) we're a team (laughs) (laughs) how to reach us you can call the station 760-544-TALK which is 8255 you can email the studio, studio at iHubRadio.com. You can send us a text message, 760-699-0202. We will answer every call, even if we're not able to answer it on the air. Mm-hmm. Definitely follow up and I'll answer uh, with you and even maybe get you on the show another week if you want to be on the show and ask questions. That's fine too. Mm. Uh, you can follow uh, Tate Talks on Instagram 
at Tate Talks, T-A-T-E-T-A-L-K-S dot radio. And then you can just search me up on Facebook, Jason Tate, uh, also on LinkedIn as well. So I'll have links to recipes. I'll have pictures of guests that I have on the show. It's a great way to stay in touch and stay up to date on what's happening here on the show. Good. Good. So we'll start. I like the questions. The questions kind of bring about ideas of what of course yeah of what to share with everyone and it's fun i you know as far as building the show each week i i have some idea of what i want to do in future shows but i'm truly inspired by what i teach in class Hmm. that week in school and that really does sometimes often drive what i talk about on the show on sunday and i didn't realize that until we were off for the week of thanksgiving and I missed my kids so much. And then I did the radio show. I was like, oh, I didn't have, I didn't have class all week with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up to two weeks off and, and a little more here with winter break. Mm. Um, starting right now with empty your cup, all right, which is uh, my mindfulness component to the show each week. Empty your cup. And I want to talk about something called mindful eating. Mindful eating was actually brought up in a previous hour with Dr. Tara Dahl when we were talking about some great tips to leading and living a healthy life. And so I just want to provide a perspective around mindful eating. If you search it up, there's a lot you can hear uh, or you can you know, read up about mindful eating, but I want to provide a different perspective. One way to look at how something is is look at how something could not be so looking at the opposite of mindful eating Hmm. which is mindless eating eating to a point to where you're eating quickly you're done with it you didn't if somebody asked you how did that taste and you're thinking uh was good Hmm. what did you taste in that uh i don't know This is a mindless eating. And so often, especially in America, Mm -hmm. we're always on the move. We're always on the move, moving around fast food. Even when you eat at home, we eat it like it's fast food, like we're on the go. Eat dinner, boom, get up off the table. Even Mm -hmm. if you're eating dinner at the table with your family, guilty as charged. Yes. (laughs) Eat, you know, often we eat quickly and then we get back to what we were doing before dinner. Right. So something that we do at at my home uh, every night, every night, uh, we have dinner together as a family Mm -hmm. and it's really special and I really love it. And I, you know, in talking about it right now and just kind of verbalizing it, we do somewhat uh, eat mindfully, but my daughter and I both eat very quickly. (laughs) 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 And And it's a testament to how good it is honestly every night i have Mm. such amazing and delicious food and i'll be sharing a recipe uh, on this hour of the show as well but i don't know i I love my salads that's really my favorite my younger sister eats really fast ever since she was a kid yeah and uh, it's it's the opposite of the rest of us so you okay so you have two sisters right i have three sisters three sisters And you have one of them that would eat quickly and the others... Yes, all of us. I'm the slowest of them all. Interesting. I, my mother tells me I graze. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a natural mindful eater then? I don't know if I was mindful. I just... Well, first I never liked meat. So I was always delaying eating that portion uh, of my plate. 
Um, and Whereas most kids are delaying eating the peas, the peas sitting in the corner, letting them get cold. Well, more often than not, <laughs> I would find a way to shove the meat to my sister's plate and grab the vegetables oh, off of hers. Look so at you. Somehow, but when my mother caught me, I got in trouble. But um, I find that mixing up the the ingredients, the spices, mm-hmm. made my sister eat slower. If she anticipated the taste, she didn't pay attention. Right. She wasn't paying attention. But when my mother mixed up the spices, you know, the Portuguese spices are very standard, the olive oil, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> very standard. But then my mother would throw in some African spices okay. or some South American spices. And that kind of made her pause uh, a little bit. And That's you know, good. she still ate before I finished before everyone yeah, else. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, but my mom, that was a trick that she pulled on her, and it worked. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So a technique and tip at home for you, uh, change it up. Yeah. You know, I mean, that makes perfect sense. We tend to eat mindlessly when we eat something we've always eaten, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When we eat something, you know, it's when something new is sitting in front of you, like, hmm what is this? Do I like this? Let's see. <laughs> and you tend to eat at a smaller bites because you don't right. know if you're going to yeah. like it. Yeah. So you nibble a little bit. <laughs> so there are some health um, benefits to mindful eating, to eating slower. There are mm-hmm. health benefits. Obviously, there's a, a greater benefit for digestion. You actually feel full because satiety and fullness doesn't occur until food gets further down in the digestive tract. So if you eat fast you have a much higher likelihood of overeating. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you eat slower, you might get full before the plate is done and you won't go back for seconds. That's the other right. thing is if you eat slower and maybe that uh, meal in front of you was the perfect size. If you ate it quickly though, you'll go back for seconds if mm-hmm. it's available and it's possible that you'll overeat if you ate quickly. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is just a tad bit about mindful eating. Uh, There's also compassionate eating, Mm. which is interesting. Um, And that's something that I practice is compassionate eating. And this is really just kind of an understanding. And this isn't a a widely available term out there. It's just kind of something that I've spun together uh, around my evolution of of what I choose to eat and my dietary choices and lifestyle. I'm a plant-based eater. Very, very rarely do I have any meat or dairy of any kind. Uh, and if I ever do have meat in the last uh, 13 years, it's only been a few servings of fish, um, mostly salmon if it is fish, mm-hmm. but in 13 years, maybe six or seven servings. Wow. Uh, so very rarely. Um, and there's a compassion component to that. There's a health component, but there's a compassion component as well because. You know, understanding where your food comes from. Of course. And I want to talk about vegetarian versus vegan because there's this, and there's mm-hmm. two different types of vegan. Yeah, I was vegan for many years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I'll just share. So vegetarian and vegan, common, they don't eat animal flesh, including fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't eat animal flesh. Now, I don't like to be labeled as anything uh, especially a, a type of eater because then people, I eat something and people are pointing at it and say, you can't eat that. You <laughs> you are in this box here. You can't eat that. <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> I know, right? That happens all the time. I'm thinking, um, uh, I get to decide what I eat. I don't know about you, but <laughs> don't tell me what I can and can't eat. 
Um, so it's not that I can or can't. It's it's often I choose not to eat certain things. So uh, vegetarian or vegans don't eat meat traditionally uh, unless you know they're flexible. And I and I chose to eat fish to change my lipid profile. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that in the first hour with Dr. Dahl about lipid profile, and I and I started incorporating a lot more fat in my diet, eating more nuts and eating more fatty fish to change my blood cholesterol to a healthier blood cholesterol. And I have very low cholesterol. Mm -hmm. I think my number is around 110 or even lower than that, uh, which is very low. But my particle sizes were not in the healthy range. Mm. And so you can actually change that by changing your diet and exercise. You can change your particles. So it's not always the healthiest to be that strict in your diet. Yeah. So adjusted and to your particular needs and you need you know as dr Dahl was mentioning in the first hour you need to get some tests done mm-hmm. you know to to adopt this one size fits all yeah it just doesn't work no it doesn't work it doesn't and, work and you know there's many i'm sure all of us have in our lives many evidence of people who we thought were healthy and then all of a sudden we get news that they're right. in a hospital or yeah challenged so. with some diseases so much more. I'm going to talk about some the different sty- different styles of veganism and a holiday recipe. Stay with us. If you want to prevent or even reverse many of the chronic diseases that plague society today, you're in the right place. Now, here's Jason Tate. Live in the studio, Palm Springs, California, Jason Tate here on Tate Talks. I was just sharing with you about different styles of eating, vegetarianism and veganism. So vegetarians and vegans, they don't eat meat of any kind traditionally if they're strict in their diet. Uh, However, vegetarians will often have eggs and dairy Mm -hmm. uh, or eggs only eggs this is actually uh, ovo vegetarian if you just eat eggs but you don't do any dairy Mm -hmm. that would be ovo vegetarian if you don't do any eggs but you do incorporate dairy and no meat then you're lacto vegetarian Mm. and by that definition if you don't do eggs or dairy and you are still a strict vegetarian, you are considered a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. Actually, no, if you incorporate all three, you're lacto-ovo-vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian. Yeah, and (laughs) mostly plant-based, right? Mostly plant-based, yes. So vegan uh, is no animal products or even byproducts of animal, Mm -hmm. including honey, which I thought was interesting. Honey, no jello. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no jello. Nothing with gelatin. Yes. So they wouldn't, uh, there are marshmallows. Most marshmallows are not vegan, by the Mm -hmm. way, because they have uh, an ingredient called gelatin, which is pretty gnarly stuff. Uh, I I invite you to look it up, (laughs) how gelatin is made. Um, I still don't eat it. It's leftover, yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
but with veganism, there is dietary vegan and there's lifestyle vegan, which incorporates dietary vegan. Mm. And I've known uh, people from two different camps, um, truly amazing people. The, the world is just full of great people. Lifestyle vegan will not wear any clothing or purchase anything uh, or have a car or anything that was made with products or byproducts from animals. Mm. So no leather, nothing like that. So if somebody is wearing all hemp clothing, um, it's possible that they're making that choice. And, and you could, you know, and it's, it's coming from, in many cases, that decision is a compassionate decision mm -hmm. and was one of the many decisions that allowed me to transition away from having meat in my diet which is a whole nother show honestly <laughs> honestly so i want to share a recipe this is here's to your health every week share a delicious recipe this one we tested at my birthday which was back in november and i had this really fun uh, murder mystery party so much fun so much fun um, so at this party we had a bunch of different spreads and one of them this was a, a spinach artichoke dip Yum. okay but this particular recipe is a vegan spinach artichoke dip and we found it on one of our favorite places to go which is called minimalist baker minimalistbaker.com cheesy spinach artichoke dip it has raw cashews olive oil garlic shallots unsweetened plain almond milk nutritional yeast sea salt and black pepper fresh spinach artichoke hearts and vegan parmesan cheese which when you find it on the website you have to click on that link because it shows you how to make the vegan parmesan cheese which is delicious we always have we try to always have a jar of this vegan Parmesan cheese in our refrigerator because it's a great topping even on salad. It's a great topping whenever you do pasta. It's fantastic. Um, and then you can have an optional topping of gluten-free vegan breadcrumbs, which we did on top of our um, cheesy spinach, vegan spinach artichoke dip, and then red pepper flakes. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> now I'm talking. <laughs> now you're talking. Some red pepper, because I remember eating it at the party going, ooh, ooh, there's a little heat. There's a little heat in this. <laughs> but it's a good, like, don't overdo it, obviously, but mm, that was good. I love red pepper. I put them on everything. I put them on everything. <laughs> so uh, as far as dipping into the cheesy vegan spinach artichoke dip, uh, as with all things, there are some unhealthy choices to dip into it and there are healthier choices um, unhealthiest of all would be like tortilla chips and that type of thing slightly healthier but not not by much a pita chip mm -hmm. and then you can get in a little bit healthier range you can actually do like a french baguette which you've toasted in the oven do a little olive oil on that still not too great but the healthiest would be to be dipping vegetables Mm -hmm. And it was good. I was dipping some bell pepper mm -hmm. into this artichoke dip. I was dipping uh, carrots. So delicious. And it, you serve it warm mm -hmm. as you should. I like, uh, I like using seaweed chips. Oh, those are good too. Yeah. Aren't those thin though? They are. So you have to kind of use a spoon to... Right. You can't oh, do no, the no. Super right. Bowl dip. Super <laughs> 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 you can't have to use a spoon on it, but I, I like using 
the the kale chips with just about right yeah yeah that's good so you know look it up minimalistbaker.com i'll put the link to the exact recipe on my instagram tatetalks.radio which also goes onto my facebook jason tate and you can just click on that link and go right to it. This is great. You got some holiday parties coming up. Bring this dip. People won't know that it's vegan. And you don't have to tell them either. Let them enjoy it and be like, oh my God, this is so good. We've done that. Everyone wants the recipe. Once we once we shared it, everyone wants this recipe. Have so the I'm recipe cards ready now. to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much more. Stay with us. We're going to talk about How to overcome stress and depression and get fit at the same time. From Palm Springs, California, iHub Radio presents inspirational conversation to help you on the path to vitality. Health and wellness conversation is front and center on Tate Talks with Jason Tate. Here's Jason. Tate Talks right here in Palm Springs, California, live. It's Sunday, December 15th. Thank you so much for being here and joining us on the show. So excited. Here in the show, when you hear this lovely voice, it's Alexandra, my producer. You're so kind. Say hi. Oh Say goodness. hi. Doesn't she have a great voice? Aww. <laughs> she does. She really, and the first show, I was actually a guest on a show here in the studio. Yes, you are. Yes. Uh, what? Now, like three months ago, maybe? Yeah, wow. It was a Time while flies, ago. Yes. It does, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had people saying, who was that? Who was that person asking you questions on the show? I really liked her voice. She had very s- calm, soothing, very kind voice. Oh. And so that's you. That's, <laughs> that's Alexandra. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one that, that <laughs> believes that as well. <laughs> Get me out of the studio. Then it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> so here on Tate Talks, uh, the goal really honestly is this is an extension of my classroom. I get to teach. I have the opportunity to teach about health and wellness to all of my about 225 students that I work with every year and there's teenagers ranging from age 13 to age 18 and I have 180 school days to transform their lives and provide for them as much education as possible around how to control your health destiny Uh, and that's what this show is about this is an extension of that be an advocate for your own health your health is in totally in your hands do not play the victim like oh you know i'm i'm gonna be unhealthy because my family was unhealthy mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna be a weight overweight because my parents are overweight no nope don't put yourself in a box like that you don't need to give yourself a life sentence you're in total control of your health destiny and yes there's information and you need to access that information and as alexander pointed out there are ways to get that information that's been distilled or uh, siphoned down Mm -hmm. in a usable form. 
And so that's what I love to do as a teacher. Go to conferences, learn from these doctors, read books, learn some more, and then put it in a package that makes it totally accessible for teenagers, for adults, for little kids even. Yeah. I mean, not all of us have the time. And not all of us have the inclination, to be honest with you, to go to all those seminars. You are a person who enjoys that, and we're Love grateful. It. We're grateful to have people like you that can package it up for us. And, and the thing that you do, Jason, is it, it's not a, a one one garment fits all. You you really, you know, we talk in between, you know, t- the breaks and things like that. And <laughs> and I, Jason really focuses in on on you know, the individual and you have general information that people can pick up on, but you really, really strum the cord of, you know, go find or make sure that you, you take, take possession of your own health and, and see what works for the individual. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I did, I believe I did mention that a little earlier. It's not a one size fits all, you know, one of the things that I learned in my journey was, you know, again, you've got to be your own advocate, but it's not a one size fits all. You need to figure out what works for you. So I found a diet that works for me. I've kind of dialed it in. I'm still making changes because my body today biochemically is, (laughs) is going to be different 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. So I need to adapt and modify and change and grow with my body as my body ages uh, and goes along your specific makeup, your genetic makeup, your microbiotic makeup, your, what they call the metabolome, which is all of the metabolites, all of the things that contribute to your total body health. You are what we call an N of one Mm. experiment versus an N of 1 million or 10,000 or whatever, you know, as far as drug testing, you know, they, they calculate the averages, you know, when it comes to recommended daily allowance from the USDA, they calculate averages. Yeah. You're not the average. You are N of one. You need to find out what works best for you and dial it in. And you're the best person. You can be your own patient. You, you are your own patient. You can be your own doctor. You know, when you're not feeling right. Yeah, you, you know, I can give you an example with my vitamins. Mm-hmm. If I follow the recommended daily dose, I, I get ill. It makes me nauseous. Right. So I have to take half the quantity right. and I feel amazing. There you go. Amazing. Yeah. And I don't blame the directions. I sure. don't blame yeah. the manufacturer. Right. They do the average. They do the average. I just process things differently yeah. and I don't stop taking the vitamins. I just take less. And that's a perfect example of dialing it in and listening. My gosh, I have to say this so often. Listen to your body. Mm-hmm. After you eat a meal, you're supposed to feel energized. You're supposed to feel good. You're supposed to feel grateful. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to feel regretful, lethargic, <laughs> you know, feeling like you want to pass out. You need a nap. That <laughs> is your body telling you something. You're not supposed to feel stuffy headed. You're not supposed to feel, you know, um, congested from your meal. That is a general immune response of your body saying, you're eating something that is pissing me off. And Mm. I need to launch an immune attack to try and figure out what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, and I talked about it in last week's show, show number five, by the way. Um, All these shows are recorded. 
So you can go to tate-talks.captivate.fm. Mm-hmm. Episode five, I believe, is hour two, because I had a, an amazing guest, a medical hypnotherapist in the first hour. Hour two, I was talking about raw versus cooked mm-hmm. and pathogenic leukocytosis and the body's response to the foods that we eat. So I think with the holidays coming up and, and with, uh, some of us are still the generation that our parents believe that more is better. And, <laughs> and some of us have first-generation immigrant mothers who believe, you know, that ask, do you want more? And you say no, and then your plate's full again. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and, and they believe that if you are not, if your eyes are not rolling in the back of your head, that you, one, didn't enjoy the meals or right. didn't yeah. have enough. or. Yeah. I think we have to break this cycle. I'm, yeah, I'm guilty do. of that. I'm so guilty of that. And and um, it's just um, listening, as you said. Listen, listen your, body your body knows. Your yeah. body knows. Yeah. yeah. So, so this week on what moves you, which is one of my delicious benchmarks. This one talking about movement. I want to talk about movement and brain-derived neurotrophic factors neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, vascular endothelial growth factor, a bunch of really big wow. sciencey terms, huh? No, I'm not playing Ooh, any gooey. kind of board game with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't play word no, games not, with me. No. <laughs> <laughs> angiogenesis and anti-angiogenesis, a couple others out there. Fine, you win. Basically, <laughs> what it distills down to is there's actual science uh, that shows that movement not only feels good, but there's a scientific component to it as far as it um, improving our brain health. And the, and I actually have to probably dedicate an entire show to this and, and have a guest on talking about who specializes in this as well so we can kind of piggyback on each other. But the long and stor- uh, short of it is when you move, you're increasing blood flow to your brain, Okay versus when you're sitting down or you're stagnant or whatever. At rest, your brain, which by the way, weighs about three pounds, hmm. okay, your brain, soaking wet, and it's 75% water. Wow. So we're looking at about three quarters of a pound, your brain. Very important organ, very vital organ. This three quarter of a pound dry weight organ sitting on top of your shoulders at rest is consuming 20% of the oxygen and blood of your body at rest. And it can get elevated as much as 50% during physical activity. Hmm. Not only are you increasing blood flow and oxygen to the brain during physical activity, and it it doesn't have to be really vigorous physical activity either. It could be a walk, you know. Running is really the best, Um, and I'll talk about running in a little bit, but It could be just walking, it could be working out, it could be playing a sport. And so as you're increasing blood flow to the brain, you're increasing brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is like miracle grow for the Hmm. brain. And it affects a certain region of the brain in the center of the brain called the hippocampus region or the hippocampal region. This is the site of neurogenesis. Neuro uh, is for neurons, neurology, it's for anything to deal with the brain. It's generally relegated to that. Genesis means to make or create. Now, back when I was getting my degree in biology eons ago, and I was teaching (laughs) biology for many years, 
I was taught that you're born with a number of brain cells, whatever you do with them in your life, you know, you, you could lose them and you'll never get them back and that's it. You know, you're going to lose your brain cells if you do this, if you do that, be careful, right. take care of your brain cells, that's all you get. False. Not true. We grow new brain cells. <laughs> Thank God. (laughs) We grow new brain cells. And the term for it is neurogenesis. We're growing new brain cells. And the activity that will cause us to grow more brain cells than any other activity is running. Hmm. Outside especially. Running outside. Neurogenesis amped up. Not only that, but it also affects our mood. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, Levels of serotonin increase, which is happiness. So brain-derived neurotrophic factors like miracle growth for the brain, the hippocampus of the brain is actually, and I've seen um, functional medicine or functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, of, and it, it, it kind of looks like fireworks. Yeah, I've seen one. The way yeah. that these neurons are just firing, like yeah. firing out of the hippocampus, it's so cool. So you yeah. can be in your 90s mm-hmm. and growing new brain cells which is just, I think it's beautiful, really. That's pretty cool. So our brain, three quarters of a pound, consists of about 100 billion neurons, all right? But that's only 10%. 10% of your brain is those 100 billion neurons, 10%. 90% are the 100 trillion plus trigger points they call the neuron forest. These are the dendrites. These are all the connections, dendrites and axons that lead from that cell body of the neuron and connect with all the other neurons. The size of your brain doesn't determine how smart you are. It's the number of connections that you have that you've developed through learning and through neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, how you've wired your brain. And you do this by doing an activity. You get good at a video game by playing that video game repetitively to the point to where it's second nature to you, that eye-hand coordination. So I'll be talking and sharing with you about how this this knowledge of neurogenesis exercise, not only does it uh, reduce stress, but it improves neuroplasticity and it actually makes you smarter. Stay with us. Tate Talks continues on iHub Radio with iHub Radio wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here in Palm Springs, California, live in the studio, uh, talking about what moves you, talking about movement, brain-derived neurotrophic factors, neurogenesis, which is the growth of new brain cells, and I want to talk about brain structure first, okay? So, so why is it that movement is so important and how does it affect our brain? 
So the movement center of the brain, where movement originates from, is from the cerebellum portion of the brain, which is at the back of the brain. And so anytime you see an image or a structure ooh, uh, of the brain, I'm talking with my hands here and I hit the <laughs> mic. <laughs> I talk with my hands. I see that. I thought you were landing a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> so the, you look at the structure of the brain. And it's funny because a lot of sometimes they actually leave out the cerebellum, you know, because everyone's so focused on this you know, the cortex of the brain, which looks really interesting, like wound up, you know, intestines, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the back of the brain, and they call it the cerebellum because it's almost, it looks like a bell, mm -hmm. the way that it's organized at the back of the brain. And this is where movement originates from. Some interesting facts about the cerebellum, which is our evolved brain, what we have now, uh, despite our prefrontal cortex and our frontal cortex as humans and the cerebral cortex where language and thought come from and, and not thought but speech. The cerebellum at the back of the brain is only one-tenth of the volume of the entire brain and yet it has more than half of the brain's neurons wow. located there. More than half yet it's only one-tenth of the brain volume. It has 40 million nerve fibers which is 40 times more than the highly complex optical neuron, neuronal tract uh, connected to our eyes. 40 times more. Interesting. Movement mm. is more important than vision, apparently, in the evolution of uh, I was gonna human say, beings. Did, and, did, uh, did we, we evolve movement before vision? <laughs> <laughs> we live in the dark for a while. Most of these nerve fibers are efferent, E-F-F-E-R-E-N-T, which means outgoing signals. Mm. So this region of the brain isn't taking in as much, but it's definitely communicating out. Mm -hmm. And it's connected directly to the same parts of the brain that are involved in, in learning. Hmm. Movement and learning go together. Interesting. And this is brain architecture. This isn't some opinion. This is actual brain architecture. Real facts about your brain. That three-quarter of a pound amazing organ sitting on top of your shoulders. So... Feeding your brain. So there are lots of foods out there that are great for the brain. Um, and I'll have to talk about that in another show. So I'm, I'm talking about movement right now. One of the best things you can do to improve brain health and to kind of improve your mood as well is to exercise. Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, is quoted as saying, if you're in a bad mood, go for a walk. Hmm. If you're still in a bad mood, go for another walk <laughs> <laughs> until it's gone <laughs> and it's it's so true in so many ways I can't even tell you how I've I've echoed that advice or I hear that you know little voice in the back of my head go for a walk go for a walk go for a walk or go to the gym or go play hoops at the park do something and mm -hmm. it does kind of lift you out of that fog it does it does uh, for me it's been swimming yeah it's been uh, so amazing now being in California you can swim right all year long and that's amazing so you've got to have your activity you've mm -hmm. got to have your physical activity something you can do to kind of pull you through the mud and get you out of that that tough spot mm -hmm. you know and it and it has to be something that doesn't require 
too much on your part, like a gym membership or something right. like that, and dependent on someone else to give you a ride, mm-hmm. because then you're just kind of trapped. You're kind of stuck at that point. But walking you around your excuse. neighborhood, you yeah, you have an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it turns out that d- depression and stress actually reduces hippocampal volume mm. and dehydration as well reduces the volume of your entire brain i.e depression and stress shrinks your brain mm. yeah i think uh not yeah going the opposite of smarter getting <laughs> a little dumber i think that's probably not very high on most people's lists of things to do yeah, I want to be dumb, said no one. <laughs> <laughs> said no one. <laughs> so exercise reverses all of this, and it promotes brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is like miracle growth for the brain, vascular and ethelial growth factor, another type of miracle growth, serotonin, which is the happiness hormone. And it drives neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, which neurogenesis is the growth of new brain cells. Neuroplasticity is the ability to relearn something. It's the ability to rewire the brain and allow you to work around issues. Mm. Uh, If somebody has a, a stroke, a minor stroke, and a region of the brain has died because of lack of blood flow and oxygen, neuroplasticity is something that naturally would occur in order for you to work around that dead region of the brain to be able to get back to full function or as close to full function prior to the stroke. Hmm. That's probably the best example of neuroplasticity. Hmm. However, we would all benefit from neuroplasticity regardless of whether or not you've had a stroke. Do you recover from a stroke better if you... Exercise. Exercise. Yes, yeah. definitely. Give you a better chance. Yeah. So if there's something, in, you know, genetically disposed to these diseases, then... Well, think of your brain, right? What, how much... And here's the quiz. <laughs> what study. percent <laughs> of blood flow and oxygen is going to the brain at rest? Do you remember? Oh, it was low. 20. 20, yeah, I remember. 20% of total blood flow and oxygen at rest. Mm. And during exercise, you can actually pump it up to 50%. Mm -hmm. Now imagine if you had a sprained ankle or you, um, you know, had an injury elsewhere in the body, not Mm -hmm. in the brain. Mm -hmm. What does the body do to heal that area, Mm. right? It actually increases blood flow to that area that's what the bruise is right you've got that's the what bruising. that heat, that, the heat, heat that, goes yeah, there, yeah. that goes there so that applied to the brain mm-hmm. increasing blood flow to the brain to heal the regions of the brain how are you going to do that through exercise so just a little bit about <laughs> movement and exercise and brain health there's so many other things to talk about as far as brain health and overcoming or uh, preventing Alzheimer's, dementia, that type of thing. Other shows. Other shows. Other shows, more good information. Next week, I have a local family medicine medical resident, friend of mine, Dr. Vasily Rosenbaum. We'll be talking about more recipes. uh, And next week will be our Christmas show. Can you believe that? It goes so fast. It goes so fast. Wellness comes from within. Love, compassion, health, all of it. You can't give what you don't have. So as you go on this wellness journey, 
collect more, and then share it. This is Tate Talks. See you next week.